Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. We're going back to the future, everybody. Things opening up, and we will have a liftoff for the first time since 2011. Elon Musk and NASA partnering together to put American astronauts in space. This is going to be awesome. We had a canceled, aborted launch on, uh, I think it was Wednesday, but tomorrow, hopefully, we'll see that happening. We'll talk about that in just a little while. Everything, it seems like, is reopening or getting scheduled for reopening. We're going to talk about that. We're going to hit on some local news, some national news, some international news, and some, I could we call it extraterrestrial? It wouldn't be extraterrestrial because we're just sending astronauts into space, but what, what, what would we call it? Outer space news? Space news? I don't know. Local, national, international, atmospheric? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't come up with a good name for it yet, but lots and lots of good news this week as Nevada has entered officially today phase two of our reopening process. We can now, uh, we can now begin using gyms. We can begin doing things that we've been missing doing. Phase two is such a better phase to be in than phase one. We have uh, gyms, other health and fitness facilities able to open, spas, massage therapy establishments, uh, recreational areas, so parks and pools are reopening, movie theaters, bowling alleys, arcades, uh, state parks are now opening up again for limited day use and overnight stays, sporting events, concerts, theater performances without an audience, which, hey, by the way, congrats to the Golden Knights officially clinching uh, the West there and headed into the new and improved playoff format <coughs> Excuse me for the NHL, headed for that Stanley Cup once again. Uh, we do have some restrictions still in place. There's limits on people at different amounts of gatherings. Uh, events with live audiences remain closed, although I don't understand what that even means because every event that is open requires a live audience. But uh, Youth sports are said to also be returning in Phase 2 uh, at some point, and... Uh, places of worship now allowed to hold in-person services. We are so looking forward to having people back on campus here at Liberty. We have set in place uh, many, many, um, uh, I want to say guidelines. I guess it would be guidelines. I can't think of the word that I want, but uh, good practices for hygiene, sanitation, the cleaning process. Liberty Baptist Church, I guarantee you, has never been so clean. At least not in the time that I have been here. Like, we, we have all the cleaning stuff, and we are cleaning stuff all the time. So, uh, come on out and join us for that really just great, great news uh, on all fronts when it comes to the reopening. Red Rock Scenic Drive is going to open beginning on June the 1st. Red Rock uh, Canyon Scenic Drive, Red Rock Overlook, the Late Night Trailhead, Red Spring Boardwalk, Calico Basin, and the Sloan Canyon are all 
going to open daily from 8 a.m. to 4.30 uh, p.m. There won't be any late exits or overnights permits uh, yet, but at least we will be able to get back out uh, to Red Rock. The The visitor center will also remain closed as well as the campsite. So it's something you can go and visit, but not yet, uh, not yet for overnighting and for camping and so on. But hey, we are making progress. Before you know it, I, I have said from the beginning that once things start reopening, that I thought that this thing will just snowball, and I believe uh, that it will. Downtown set to reopen on June 4th. Wind Resort, Caesars Palace, Flamingo, Venetian, uh, all among the casinos that are opening on June 4th. Uh, the, um, let's see. Um... Uh, Caesar said that it anticipates several retail and dining outlets along with the Link Promenade, Promenade as well as the High Roller Observation Wheel will also reopen. They will be complying with physical distancing guidelines. Both Caesar's Palace and the Flamingo will offer lodging, dining options, and access to their outdoor pools. <coughs> Excuse me, as well as table games. <coughs> Not that any of you would be participating in that, but just FYI. And here is the best part of all. If coronavirus brought us nothing else, it has restored free parking in downtown Las Vegas. I don't know about you, but as a local, there is nothing... That's not true. I was going to say there's nothing more frustrating, but that's not in any way true. What would be more frustrating is the fact that the Raiders built this huge, massive stadium and didn't provide ample parking, and if they would have just gone a couple miles down the road, they could have had parking for everybody, but no. That's not even the, the worst of it either. But anyway... Free parking. Coming back to downtown. As best I've seen, it appears that every property that is reopening uh, June 4th is doing so with free parking restored. And, I, you know, I, if you want to charge the people that are coming in from out of town for parking, I, I get that. Okay, cool. Do that. Do that. It's kind of like how people that come in from out of town pay our taxes by going, okay, fine. You know, do that. But I st I, I've always thought that if nothing else, for locals, parking should be free downtown. But parking, free parking, is being restored when things reopen. I am excited about that. And the good news just continues. Uh, I mentioned NHL has set up a, a way they are going to be finishing out their season. The NFL is not only planning on playing their games this fall, but they are planning on playing with full stadiums. It is all systems go for NFL teams. The only exception to that would be that international games uh, were canceled. There will be no international games this year, which is so sad. So sad because I, the Broncos were playing in London this year and my brother and I were going to go to London and watch the Broncos play. So uh, the problem is they weren't the home team. I think it was the Falcons were the home team. So uh, the Next year, we don't know when their chance will come round again because they'll have to be playing someone on the schedule who's set for a uh, London game. So we're really hoping that the NFL and the team will work that out so they can do that because we were really looking forward to that trip. Got canceled, victim of corona. But good news for us here in Vegas. As of now, not only will Legion Stadium be opening, but it will open at full capacity and all games will be played there starting with a Monday night game against the Chiefs, or not the, the Saints, which is going to be awesome. Drew Brees, oh my goodness. If you can get tickets to that game, whoo, those tickets I think are going to be expensive. First of regular season game, 
<clears throat> they do have two preseason games. If you just want to check out the stadium and you're looking for an inexpensive way to do it, I highly recommend trying to jump on some preseason tickets. There's a game, uh, the Cardinals. Uh, I forget who the other preseason game is, but season ticket holders are going to be getting their physical tickets in early August, so that is when you need to start looking for tickets if you want to go uh, to games. But there'll be two preseason games. That's your cheap way in, okay? And then uh, the Saints game opens Allegiant Stadium on a Monday night. That game is going to be huge with Drew Brees, the Saints, coming to town. First home game at Allegiant Stadium. That game's going to be epic. I really want to go to it. My brother thinks we should sell the tickets because we could, you know, make some money. So we have a we have an ongoing discussion to that regard. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I he sees what I see and I see what he sees, so we, we just can't decide which is a better a better option, but I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen there. Make me an offer I can't refuse, and then maybe John will win. <laughs> Uh, but Troy Vincent, the league's executive vice president of football operations, made the statement over the weekend as the team prepares for the 2020 season. He said, quote, we know that we have to plan for half stadium, three quarters. So we're planning for all these different scenarios. But first and foremost, we're making every effort working with the metal community. If we can have those stadiums with all people until they tell us otherwise, when that time comes, that's our plan. That's our plan of action. <coughs> so there you go. As of now, the NFL planning on playing with full stadiums. That could change. They could play with half stadiums, three quarters. That's where things will get interesting and a little bit dicey because how are they going to determine who gets to come and who does not? And are you going to get to pick your game that you want to go to? Or Whew. More good news. Disney World to begin a phased reopening on July 11. Now, remember, this, there is a difference between Disneyland and Disney World. I know some of you may not be up on this, but Disney World is in Florida which is a state of freedom and prosperity. Disneyland is in California, which is a state um, not so free. So Disneyland, no word yet. But Disney World beginning a phased reopening on July the 11th for Ma the Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom parks. Epcot and Hollywood Studios <clears throat> will begin their reopening on July 15th. And it will open with reduced uh, capacity and a new theme park reservation system. I gotta tell you what, even if it costs a little bit more, I would much rather go to any amusement park that has a more limited capacity and pay a little more for the privilege of being there with less people. I do not understand. I'm sorry, guys. I know some of you love going to Disney so much that you'll go in the middle of summer and ride two, three rides all day, wait in lines for three, four hours, and just think it's the best thing in the whole world. That is like in my in my life that is like sheer misery i you i mean maybe if you paid me i would do that but that just to me it is hot it is crowded and you're standing in line and and i think it's because my parents ruined me i really really do because growing up uh my dad was and it still is was was self-employed and we were homeschooled <clears throat> and his job took him all over the country. So, And because we were homeschooled, we were able to travel with him and experience so many things. We took incredible field trips. I, I, anyway, and we would go to amusement parks, but we would go when no one was there. And my dad would figure out how to buy the best season passes for whatever park, and we would only go there two or three times, <clears throat> but it would still be a better deal in the long run. And... Uh, 
And he would always plan our trips around when kids were in school. It wasn't anywhere near a holiday, and it was like the middle of the week. I don't even remember. I just remember when we would go to amusement parks, there was like nobody there. You, If you waited in line, it was like 10 minutes max. And we, like, if we were going to an amusement park, my parents were making sure we were getting every penny's worth of what we paid for. Like, we would run from ride to ride. You got off the ride, you ran back to get in line, even though there is no line. <clears throat> And I still do that. Like, you're the first one in the park. You're the last one to leave the park. If you are riding the log flume and there is a minute and a half left till the park closes, you just look at the little tent and say, can we go again? And they say yes, and you go again. Like, the last time I was at... Actually, I'm not sure if it was the last time I was at Disneyland. I think it was the last time I was at Disneyland. Was when uh, my two sisters were visiting. And it was... It wasn't super crowded, but it was crowded. Way more crowded than I am comfortable with going to an amusement park. Like, I have a thing about germs before the whole COVID thing. And and people not giving personal space. That's another great thing about COVID. People learning to give personal space. Thank you, COVID. Um, but we rode in... <laughs> I don't even know. I, like, it, we, we had... Uh, the log flume was one of the last things open at Disneyland. Um... The water flume thing. I forget what it's called. Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain was one of the last things open. And uh, we would have gone on some other ones, but it's too much of a distance. So you just pick your battles. What do you want to do the most? <clears throat> I believe we rode it 12 times in a row. <laughs> I don't know how long it takes to go through that ride, but that's how long we stayed on that ride because there was no line at that ride. And the guy just let us keep going. So you just ride whatever ride allows you to ride the most rides as much as possible. And we rode that ride until literally they kicked us off because we had to get out of the park. And it was great. And we loved it. That's how we do amusement parks. So, good news. Disney World reopening and with limited space available. I really like that. More good news. The heat wave is almost over. If you have survived the last two and a half days, depending on what time of day you're listening to this program, possibly three days, Wednesday... From Wednesday until today, oh, it's ridiculously hot. I mean, Death Valley, like, it was bad here. Death Valley, 120 plus. I hope you stayed hydrated, people, because it has been hot out there. It is hot out there today. Don't worry. Relief comes this weekend. Just in time for us to go back to church. That's pretty cool. <clears throat> All right. More good news because that is just the theme of the day. Can we just talk about how incredibly cool it is that we are launching two American astronauts into space? NASA and SpaceX partnering together to make this historic event possible. It's been about 10 years since we launched uh, astronauts into space. It's fantastic. Vice President Pence on uh, on Wednesday morning before this occurred tweeted, he said, as we prepare to launch two American astronauts into space from NASA Kennedy for the first time in nearly 10 years, we encourage every American to pray for Astro Benkin, Astro Doug, and the teams at NASA and SpaceX who have worked to make this historic day possible. Let's pray for a safe and successful mission that as these heroic astronauts rise on the wings of the dawn, go up to the heavens, that there his hand will guide them and his right hand will hold them fast. That is just pretty cool. So, new era of human 
space flight, according to NASA. Uh, an American rocket launched from American soil to the International Space Station is part of NASA's commercial crew program. It's NASA astronauts Robert Bankin and Doug- Douglas Hurley. They're flying on SpaceX Crew Dragon spacecraft, lifting off of a Falcon 9 rocket in Florida. Uh, for an extended stay at the space station for the Demo-2 mission. The specific duration of the mission is yet to be determined. As the final flight test for SpaceX, this mission will validate the company's crew transportation system, including the launch pad, rocket, spacecraft, and operational capabilities. This will also be the first time NASA astronauts will test the spacecraft systems in orbit. This is just... So, so cool. It lifted off from launch pad 39A atop a specially instrumented Falcon 9 rocket, and Crew Dragon accelerated its two passengers to approximately 17,000 miles per hour to put it on an intercept course with the International Space Station. I, My mind reels when I try to figure this stuff out. Like, I... I, I can't even... Like, have you tried to think about before... like? How did mankind figure out, first of all, that we could launch something into space and get it to come back? And not only that, but we could tell it where to go, figure out how to get it there, land people on the moon. I should have brought back so many more moon rocks. Like, there are so many rocks on the moon. Bring back all the moon rocks. Like, if you want a real stimulus, forget sending people a thousand bucks. Just send every American a moon rock. How cool would that be? And then if they want to sell it, sell it. But I I just, I want a moon rock. (sighs) While in orbit, the crew and SpaceX mission control will verify the spacecraft is performing as intended by testing the environmental control system, the displays and control systems, and the maneuvering thrusters, among other things. The spacecraft is designed uh, to do things autonomously, but astronauts aboard the spacecraft and the station will be diligently monitoring approach and docking and can take control of the spacecraft if, uh, if that had been uh, necessary. Uh, let's see, what else do you need to know? The Crew Dragon being used for this flight test can stay in orbit about 110 days, uh, but the specific mission duration will be d- determined once... Uh, once they have determined the readiness of the next commercial crew launch. Upon conclusion of the mission, Crew Dragon will autonomously undock with the two astronauts on board, depart the space station, and re-enter the Earth's atmosphere. It will then splash down just off Florida's Atlantic coast, and the crew will be picked up at sea by SpaceX Go Navigator recovery vessel to return to Cape Canaveral. The Demo-2 mission will be the final major step before NASA's commercial crew program certifies Crew Dragon for operational long-duration missions to the space station. This certification and regular regular operation of Crew Dragon will enable NASA to continue the important research and technology investigations taking place on board the station, which benefits people on Earth and lays the groundwork for future exploration of the Moon and Mars, starting with the agency's Artemis program, which will land the first woman and the next man on the lunar surface in 2024. Did you hear that, people? I have been waiting for this my whole life. I am so pumped. 
From 1969, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know what's going on today. From 1969 to 1972, 12 men set foot on the moon. Of course, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, uh, Alan Bean, Charles Conrad, from Apollo 12, uh, Edgar Mitchell, Alan Shepard in Apollo 14 in 1971, James Irwin, David Scott, also in 1971, I believe that was, uh, Charles Duke and John Young in 1972 with Apollo 16. Those are some of the most uh, popular moon photographs. And then finally, we had Harrison Schmidt and Eugene Keeman were the last guys to walk on the moon in December of 1972. That was 12 years before I was born. We have not had anyone on the moon my entire life and before. In fact, if you are a millennial, which by the way, millennial is not today's young people. Millennial is people that are my age and even a little bit older. You have not seen a person live during your lifetime walk on the moon. But thanks to Dragon X, sorry, Crew Dragon, at SpaceX, these guys that are up there right now that we launched earlier this week, they are making things possible, laying the groundwork so that we can land people on the moon in 2024. In four years, God willing, Americans will walk on the moon again. A woman and at least one guy is what they're what they're saying right now. That is just, I can't, I can't wait. It's going to be so cool. In four years, we'll, we'll do a podcast and we will talk about it again. Okay, but so Crew Dragon, you're like, what is that? Isn't it just a space shuttle? No, the space shuttle is no more. Okay, there have been different types of spacecraft that have taken uh, people into outer space. This The Dragon is completely different type of spaceship to carry an astronaut uh, into orbit. <coughs> Excuse me. <sighs> there has been the... Throughout history of space travel, I believe there have only been eight different types of, of spaceships, if you will, that have taken people into space. There was the Vostok capsule uh, that carried the first ever human into space flight. That was Yuri Gagarin, the, the Soviet Union cosmonaut in 1961, who did a full orbit uh, of the Earth. It could only carry uh, one human. Then there was the Mercury in 1961, during our Cold War space race, when the U.S. was trying to beat the Soviet Union. The U.S. launched astronaut Alan Shepard aboard the Freedom 7 capsule. And then in 1962, the Friendship 7 Mercury vehicle. Um, these were like your, <coughs> excuse me, your cone-shaped, smaller cone-shaped uh, capsule. Again, remember guys, this is the 60s. I, I don't even, I can't, I wasn't even alive. This is when computers took up entire buildings if they were used at all and we're putting people into space figuring out how to put them there figuring out how to get them back it's just it's it's unreal to me and then you look at the pyramids you're like how did they do that well if we can figure out how to put somebody into outer space it's not surprising to me that 
the Egyptians figured out how to build pyramids. Then there was the Voskhod from the USSR in 1964. It was uh, adapted, uh, so very similar to the original Russian uh, capsule, but designed to carry more crew members and to facilitate spacewalking. <laughs> so here's, here's a fun fact for you. The USSR, in order to achieve their goal and beating the United States at getting multiple crew members, <laughs> they ditched the ejection seat. They ditched the ejection seat. And because the, the, the space was so tight, the crew did not wear spacesuits. This is how desperate <laughs> the Russians were to beat us at this stuff. Then we had the Gemini in 1965, the U.S. Uh, US capsule. It was an adapted version of the Mercury capsule. So like the Soviets had adapted their original capsule to accommodate more than the U.S. adapted the Mercury capsule. It became the Gemini capsule. Uh, Gemini capsules carried two astronauts rather than the original one, and uh, their task was to extend the duration of spaceflight and also achieve spacewalks. It accomplished both of those goals. Then in 1967, we saw the Russians launch the Soyuz. The Soyuz capsule, which still today ferries cosmonauts into and back from space, began flying shortly after the retirement of the Voshkod, which was the Russians' second. The first time the Soyuz went was 1967. Unfortunately, uh, that mission's sole cosmonaut was killed during re-entry by a parachute malfunction. And of course, by the way, the Suez capsules flying today are not identical to the ones flown in the 1960s. There's been 10 different models of this capsule. Then there was the Apollo Lunar Module in 1968. The Apollo program and its command module were meant to carry humans to the moon in the final leg of the Cold War space race and to uh, pull together the lessons that NASA had learned from the Mercury and Gemini capsules. The main crew capsule of the Apollo program, called the command module, uh, discarded uh, the, the stretched out part of the cone uh, and it was only meant to serve as a transport vehicle to carry three astronauts during launch to, to orbit the Earth. Uh, orbit the moon and land. Apollo's first crew was meant to be launched in 1967. Uh, we know the disaster that happened there where we had the three astronauts that were killed in that tragic accident. Then in uh, 1968, the Apollo 7 uh, uh, successfully orbited uh, the Earth. And then Apollo 11, the flight that landed humans on the moon for the first time, that was done with the uh, the Apollo lunar module. The lunar module uh, e experienced an explosion in the service of the Apollo 13 mission and uh, uh, the the but the uh, the why can I not talk? The astronauts made it back with uh, the made it back to Earth with the lifeboat plan, and you can read more about that. Then we had the last Apollo mission was Apollo 17 in 1972. Then we had the space shuttle program. 
The Apollo program ended in 1972. NASA took a break from human spaceflight for nearly a decade as the... Well, I won't get into the Cold War aspects of things, but... There was not another crewed vehicle until the early 1980s. The first reusable crewed spacecraft, NASA built five separate shuttles that reached space on a total of 135 crewed missions between 1981 and 2011. I remember growing up, my dad loves aerospace stuff, and we would watch any time there was a shuttle launched we would watch it we have I, I think I've visited in person either two or three maybe three different no wait two I don't remember but I have seen space shuttles up close and in person I think there is still at least one in New York City that you can go and see and I believe there's another one in uh, down at Cape Canaveral and I visited both of those and I feel like I've seen a third one but I can't think of where um but anyway absolutely incredible if you ever have a chance to go see a space shuttle you you have to do it you just have to do it it is so so cool i'm gonna look it up because you need to know this because if your kids and you have never seen oh wow there's one actually by us okay so there are four retired space shuttles i knew i'd seen okay that makes sense so you have uh the enterprise the shuttle enterprise is at the intrepid sea air and space museum the Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum in New York City is incredible. It's a it's an aircraft carrier. It has a space shuttle there. It is so, so cool. If you're in New York City, go see this thing. It is one of the lesser-known sites, I guess, in New York, but you should still go and see it. Then you have the shuttle Atlantis is in, uh, is in Virginia at the Air and Space Museum. That's the one that I couldn't think of. I knew I'd seen the third one but I couldn't think of where it was so the shuttle Atlantis is at the Air and Space Museum in Virginia and then you have uh, uh, I'm sorry it's yeah okay well you can find it. if you go to nasa.gov by the way you can look at all this then you have the shuttle Atlantis is down at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida and this one I didn't even know about this one but now I might have to go and see it the shuttle in Denver is at the California Science Center in LA so there you go. You can go see Air Force One, and then you can go see the Shuttle Endeavor. I'm telling you, it is so cool to go and see. But so, anyway, all of that to say that what we just launched was not a space shuttle. There was also a China had a Shenzhou um, uh, module they sent into space. But what we have now, what SpaceX and Elon Musk have created, it's called Tr- Crew Dragon. And if, you, if you've been following this along at all this week, you would have noticed that it didn't look like a space shuttle. So if that's what you were expecting, you're probably like, what is that thing? Uh, it will launch two astronauts, and it will be the first commercially built vehicle to successfully uh, make it to the International Space Station. Absolutely very cool. The Crew Dragon, by the way, is based on SpaceX's long-flying cargo ship, just the Dragon. They, the, the um, Elon Musk and them, they built the Dragon for NASA's commercial cargo delivery program, which has been making runs since 2012. But Crew Dragon was modified to take, obviously, a crew. So, it's not the space shuttle anymore. I personally don't think it looks as cool as a space shuttle. It looks more like a throwback to uh, to uh, the Apollo lunar module than it does a space shuttle. The space shuttle to me is still the coolest one because it looks like a plane that goes into space. Just my opinion. Maybe because I watched them launch all growing up. But anyway, 
I just wanted to share all that stuff today because I'm I'm just so excited. I'm so excited that we are able to start uh, reopening. I'm excited that sporting events uh, are back. I'm excited that that theaters and water parks and and parks in general and and most excited about the fact that we can have uh, services again, that our president has declared churches essential, and that governors all across the country are following suit and allowing us uh, to again meet together uh, to worship. And we could get into the First Amendment aspects of these things, but I'm not going to do that today. I just wanted to talk to you about some just really cool stuff that is going on. I mean, Disney World's going to reopen. Uh, the NFL is planning on playing with fans, and you know, hopefully these things will will actually happen. I don't know that they will. I think that the NFL might be having high, high hopes. But um, there's a song about that. Um, but it's, just, it's good news. And we launched people into space. It's the first time in over 10 years. And in four years, if this one goes well, this is our gateway to putting people on the moon again. I just think that is really, really cool. And by the way, the market's going up. Things are just... Things are turning around. Things are looking good again. It's a new day in America. And I just wanted to kind of celebrate uh, that with you today and talk about some good news because it's, it's so easy to just hear and see all the bad news and get discouraged and get even depressed. But guys, there is so much good stuff happening I don't know what new normal is officially going to look like, but whatever new normal is going to look like, we are well on our way uh, to that in the days and weeks ahead. So thanks for being with us. Hope you'll join us for church on Sunday. Be sure to call our church office because you do need reservations to join us. 702-647-4522. If you're here in Las Vegas, we'd love to have you with us for that. Uh, Go Knights, and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Have a great weekend, everyone.